You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're on location here for the Hospital Home Lottery for the Calgary Health Foundation. We're at the $2.7 million show home overlooking Lake and Mahogany. It's the most valuable grand prize ever in the history of the Calgary Health Foundation Hospital Home Lottery. The the home is beautiful. The view is spectacular. The TV's 80 inches. There's a hot tub. There's even a gym. Uh, The the sectional couches, everything is just, I can't believe somebody's going to live here. Like, that's how spectacular. In a matter of, like, months. Yeah. In one to two months, you can move in here. Yeah. So you get all the furniture, you get everything. Uh, it's, it, it's And they did a good job. Yeah, they did. It's incredible. Um, I know interior design. You do. And they did a good job. I know you do. I know you have such an eye for that stuff. And even you're impressed. Even even me. Hard yeah. to please, but I'm it's impressed. True. And the 50-50 is $1.9 million right now. It's almost which, which is it's almost two. Uh, it's, it's pretty close. It's, It'll probably be two by the end of today. Yeah. Get your tickets, and the early bird prize deadline is tomorrow. Uh, it's Alberta's biggest early bird prize. It's a Canmore luxury condo valued at $925,000, plus you get twenty five grand in cash, which I said earlier, please, in fives and tens, in a big sack with the dollar sign on it. At the bottom of the hour, uh, Julian McKenzie is going to join us uh, from the Athletic Talk, some Calgary Flames. But right now, our pal, NFL Insider, and the Ross Tucker podcast, who say good morning to Ross Tucker. Ross, how are you? Awesome. What's up, fellas? How are you guys? Uh, we're good. Uh, Ross, I know uh, that Russell Wilson story is getting a ton of play down south. I'm glad that we're talking to somebody who played in the league and we're on some of those cross-continent flights. If the quarterback of your team started doing high knees in the aisles of the plane, what would have been the reaction uh, for you and your teammates seeing that actually happen? Great question. Um, well, first of all, if you woke me up, I would have been upset. I would have been very upset. Okay. If the high knee action woke me up. Secondly, I guess it kind of depends on how you feel about it. You know, if, if you are buying in to Russell as your franchise guy and everything that he's bringing or everything that at least he brought to Seattle, then you're probably like, man, this guy is a psycho. This is what makes him great. This is awesome. If you're skeptical of him because he hasn't played real well in a new city and he's done some other strange or unusual things, then you probably think, what is he doing right now? Like, what, what, what even is this? This guy's a weirdo. That's the reality. I think there's, I think there's only one or two ways you really think of that, about that. I think the more concerning thing, to be honest with you, is that he went out of to tell the mask that on the eight-hour flight, you know, he spent four hours stretching and doing high knees. And while his teammates were sleeping, like, first of all, why do you have to tell the reporters that you were doing that stuff? And then more importantly, why do you have to tell them that you're doing it while your teammates were sleeping? It's like, 
it's like you're kind of throwing your yeah. teammates under the bus. Well, why were they sleeping? Why weren't they doing something to get more prepared for the game? And I just, it seems like sometimes he doesn't. I'm starting to realize why, you know, some of his teammates in Seattle perhaps weren't the biggest fans. Ross, if, if you asked uh, for the quarterback's number, like a teammate of yours, and uh, you were told that you have to go through his agent, like we saw on the podcast with Marshawn Lynch, and uh, um, what, what would your reaction been? That I, I can't talk to my teammate via the text, I can't get his number? So wait a minute, I don't know anything about that. you got to tell me, I got, I, whatever oh, you're referencing, yeah, so, you got to tell me. Yeah, on so on Richard Sherman's podcast, he was talking about how they wanted to get his number, Russell Wilson's number, and uh, he, they had to go through Russell Wilson's agent to get his phone number. I don't understand. Like, they asked Russell, and he said no? Yeah, go through my agent to get his number. Essentially, that's what happened. Um unusual not normal and a terrible look for him if that's really the case terrible yeah they yeah he talked about it on his podcast that uh i don't know can you can you think of a guy in the nfl over the last year whose uh image has been torn down more than russell wilson because i'm having a hard time thinking of a guy whose whose perception in the public eye has gone as down as much as it has for russell wilson no, I can't. I mean, if we're talking about in the last year, I think it was around this time last year, wasn't it, that Aaron Rodgers came out that he hadn't really gotten the vaccination and he had lied about it. So um, he'd probably right. be up there as well if you're talking about the last year and everything that's gone down with him. But it's, I mean, those are the two guys for sure that come to mind. Wanted to ask about the Thursday nighter as well, Ross. We got the Buccaneers hosting the Ravens tonight, and a Buccaneers team who is certainly scuffled. Now they're dealing with some injuries as well. And at three and four, how big of a game are you looking at for this? Like Tom Brady, we know how much he respects Lamar Jackson. This feels like a big spot for Brady to come out and have a big game in prime time and maybe change some people's opinion about the Buccaneers. Well, I think it's a gigantic game for both teams. I mean, gigantic, right? You know, the Ravens are right there with the Bengals and the AFC North. They've lost several close games where they've blown the lead late. You know, they need this win desperately to win that division and, and have a chance in the playoffs. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, same kind of deal. I mean, they're coming off back-to-back losses to the Steelers and the Panthers. I think that's what's so stunning. It's not necessarily their record or that they lost, but it's who they lost to. Like, you got to be kidding me that those are the teams that they lost to, but it's true. And so now they got to kind of figure out how to right this ship. You know, I've seen, and we talk about this on the Even Money betting podcast I have, that money's come in now on the Bucks, and the Bucks are now the favorites. I don't see that. I mean, I know the Ravens are a little bit banged up, but the Bucks are really banged up. And the Ravens are much better than the Steelers and the Panthers, the two teams, the, the last two teams that the Bucks lost. So I like the Ravens. I mean, maybe Brady will come out and play better. 
And maybe they'll throw the ball more on first down, which they should because they haven't been able to run it very well on on first down. But I'll believe it when I see it at this point. I got a lot more faith in the Ravens than I do in the Bucks. Mm. Ross, how much are the Bucks missing Rob Gronkowski? It's really interesting that you say that because um, I actually talked about that today with Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker podcast. He's like the NFL films guru. And he just mentioned how Brady doesn't have that middle of the field threat on some of these third downs, you know, that he's been so reliable over the years, so consistent. And he really thinks that that's a major factor. So I think he's, you know, missing any good tight end a lot. Brady hasn't played in a few weeks with his concussion issues. So I think that's a factor as well, for sure. But it's um, it's any good tight end in general, but probably Rob Gronkowski, to your point, in particular. And I don't know. I'm sure he's probably begged Rob to try to come back. But I think Rob's smart enough to know that he's made plenty of money and uh, he's won plenty of championships and doesn't want to do any more damage to his body, I think, which I think is very, very smart, by the way, as a former player. Ross has been quite the carousel at quarterback uh, in Indianapolis since Peyton Manning left the team. And the latest is Sam Ellinger, who's going to get the start this week. Matt Ryan's dealing with a shoulder strain, but it sounds like Ellinger's going to get the starting nod for the rest of this season anyways. Is this guy going to be the solution to quarterback for the Colts, or is this going to be another offseason where they're trying to patch a hole via draft, free agency, or trade? Probably the latter. I mean, maybe Ellinger's the answer, but I don't really think so. I, I tend to doubt it. I think he was drafted where he was drafted for a reason. To be honest with you, I think that this is a last-ditch effort by Frank Reich to save his job, and I think he'll probably run this Ellinger kid a lot. He's a physical kid. He runs well, and my guess is he'll run him a lot. Maybe he'll run him into the ground. I know he doesn't want the kid to get hurt, but desperate times call for desperate measures. And I think if that's what he needs to do, that's what he'll do. Ross Tucker, NFL Insider, the Ross Tucker Podcast, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, Ross, how can the Packers keep things respectable against the Bills on Sunday night? That's a great question, too. I don't know that they can. You know, Buffalo is probably the best team in football, certainly up there with Kansas City and Philadelphia. I feel like those three teams have kind of separated themselves so far this year. And Green Bay's in a bad way. I mean, last week, guys, they moved every offensive lineman except for the center, moved them all around to different spots. That's not normal, and that's not good. I mean, that's not what you're looking for puts you in a bad spot when you do that because, you know, the left guard's now in a right-handed stance and you've got this guy at left tackle. I mean, it's – and obviously Rogers has been pretty outspoken about the fact that he's not on the same page with his receivers who are making mistakes. It's kind of like, well, aren't you the guy that skipped the whole offseason? Aren't you the guy that didn't go to any of the OTAs where – Maybe you could have gotten more on the same page with those receivers. And for him to say that publicly like that, 
I mean, for him to say publicly, maybe those guys shouldn't be playing as much. It's basically calling out Matt LaFleur and saying, his head coach, and saying, you shouldn't be playing these guys as much. Well, uh, Ross, we've seen the renderings of the new Bills Stadium this morning. Obviously, uh, not going to have a dome on it. You played in Buffalo. Uh, what kind of home field advantage is it in Buffalo, especially in January? Because, yeah, dome, I'm sure, would have been great for the fans so they don't freeze. But isn't that kind of the allure of being with the Buffalo Bills, that if they're a playoff team and they go deep, you have to go there in January and try to beat that team in that stadium? Absolutely. And good luck. I called the last three Bills home playoff teams, <laughs> and uh, that place was incredible. Those people are amazing. It's my favorite team of the five I played for, which always surprised people because they think it would be like the Cowboys or the Patriots. It's not. It's the Buffalo Bills. I love those people, and I'm a huge believer in outdoor football. I mean, I just think that's part of what makes the sport great. You know, going to games in domes, it's just so antiseptic. It just seems so unnatural. Uh, I'm so glad that they're not doing it indoors monday we got the Bengals and the browns is this a win or basically pack up the season and and call it a year for the browns on monday night football it's getting pretty close to that yeah i mean i i think that they probably have to be five and six when deshaun watson's suspension's over to give them a realistic chance. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you got to think, okay, I have the ability to lose one game with Watson, so then maybe you go nine and seven, maybe you can still make it. So they got to get winning now. I mean, they kind of got to go three and one in the next four, which doesn't seem real likely. And it's a winnable game, but the Bengals are playing well now, man. I mean, the Bengals – their their defense has been good all year. The O line's playing better. Burrow's getting more comfortable. The Bengals are a team to keep an eye on now. Ross, I'm fascinated by this Niners and Rams game. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan has got the best of Sean McVay, but uh, that wasn't an impressive effort at all. They got smoked by the Chiefs uh, at home. The Niners did. The Rams are coming off a bye. Obviously, Matt Stafford and the offensive line. The offensive line's an issue. Matt Stafford's still banged up with that elbow issue. Uh, what, who, who needs to show you more in that matchup on Sunday, the Niners or the Rams? That's another good question. Um, probably the Rams, because I think the Niners, it might take a little time with them now that they got McCaffrey and with some of the injuries on defense. But the Rams are coming off a bye. So I feel like the Rams have to show that they figured it out during the bye and that they can play a lot better than they were before the bye. Whereas the Niners, I think, you know, they haven't had the bye. And between the injuries and just getting McCaffrey, it might take another week or two before they start to click. I uh, just wanted to ask, um, not necessarily in relation to this week of NFL football, but just going off of our last chat, I was just wondering if you had any good IPAs this week that I could try and search out to maybe consume over the course of my weekend. (laughs) Always a great question. Love it. Um, You know, have you ever gotten (laughs) your hands on any beers from Treehouse? 
Treehouse. I have not, but I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah, well, good luck, because you can only get the beers (laughs) at the brewery in Massachusetts. And I think that's probably a heck of a road trip for you. But they I literally had three last night with my wife. They are so good. It's ranked like the number one beer in the world, I think. Google, like, top ten IPAs. Wow. And there might even be a couple treehouse that are in there. It is, you know what it's it's done? It's kind of like, I don't want to say it's ruined every other beer for me, but, like, it's so good <laughs> that when I have another beer, I'm wow. like, yeah, it's good, but it's not treehouse. Mm. It's that good. You almost borderline spit it out? Is that what it is, Ross? <laughs> You're like, I don't what want is this. this swill? I can't drink this. But I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm longing for Treehouse when I'm drinking something that's not Treehouse (laughs) at this point. Uh, Really, uh, Ross. Before I let you go, let's go full. uh, Let's go for a circle. I'm going to give you the quote from the Richard Sherman podcast with Marshawn Lynch about the whole Russell Wilson thing to get you in the know. Uh, They were talking about Russell Wilson and his struggles. And uh, Marshawn Lynch goes, quote, man, I want to reach out to Dog. And Sherman goes, yeah, we talked to him, his manager, his manager. And then Marshawn Lynch goes, if I can't call you direct, I ain't calling you, especially if I went to war with you. So they couldn't even call him directly when he played for the Seahawks. That sounds like what it is now. That doesn't sound like what it was when he played there. <laughs> That sounds like what it is now. Like if it's... You want to get in touch with him. At any rate, at any rate, it's a bad look anyway you slice it. <laughs> yeah, won a Super Bowl uh, with him. Uh, Ross, before I let you go, you mentioned your betting podcast. Where can people get that? Your regular podcast, all the stuff you're doing. Well, most importantly, I post amazing food videos and pictures from the yeah. games I'm at, <laughs> as well as my beers. So you need to follow me at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And then if you do that, you'll be able to get the links to all the various podcasts like the Ross Tucker football podcast, which is daily, or even money, the betting one, fantasy beast, if you're into fantasy football. So I got a bunch of them. But the key is to follow me on whatever social media platform you happen to be on at Ross Tucker NFL. Uh, Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker podcast. Various other things, always great. Ross, uh, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you next week, pal. Sounds great. Take care, guys. Now, now I have to try a Treehouse IPA. It's only forty-hour drive to Treehouse from my apartment, or a ten-hour flight. Can you pick me up? <laughs> How is it? A, no, it can't be a ten-hour. Yeah, flight. I know. I've seen this. I'm like, what? Nine no. hour and what? five minutes? What? what? You taking a? Yeah, like three stops. You taking a helicopter? Like you can't. It, it's gonna. <laughs> yeah, where, where's your? What do you have a three-hour layover in Detroit? Like, what's going on here? Um, we're going to Charleston with two stops. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, DFW and JFK. And what did you just? No, no, no. I don't know. I threw it in on Google Maps because I wanted to see how long it was to drive, and automatically okay. it tells me how long the flight is, and it says nine hours and five minutes from the low price of nine hundred and eighty dollars. Oh, great! And I had to get two stops. <laughs> That's convenient. There's what? There's no direct. And one of them is there has JFK. to be a, a direct flight from Calgary to Boston. No, I assume so. But this is Charlton. It's not in Boston. It's like in Massachusetts. Okay, so is Boston again? As Patrick said, so yes. Yeah, so is Boston. It's still in the New England area. It's a one-hour drive. Yeah, from Boston. I, I guess. I yeah. don't know. I... There you go. Okay, so that's not bad. 
Because right away when you said 10 hours, I'm like, that's impossible because from Calgary to Toronto uh, is just under four hours. And the flight to Boston's not long. Well, so. I'll tell you this. From uh, Treehouse to the Worcester Regional Airport where we're flying into, yep. it's only a 25-minute oh, okay. ride to the brewery. Well, so there you you're, go. You're cutting, you're cutting minutes somewhere, uh, Road trip. Uh, road our trip. boss, Al, is uh, Art, is Al. 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 <laughs> Uh, for boss Al, <laughs> Art, uh, whatever your name is, yeah, Al, Art, Steve, Jim. It is what it is. Boss, uh, Treehouse, do a show from uh, on location. That'd be great. Maybe uh, when did the Flames play in Boston against the Bruins? Uh, um, Maybe we could do a two for one there. You see that? See how my mind thinks? Yeah, you're doing. You're doing because a lot of good thinking. Because the Flames are in Boston oh, it's soon. Is it? <laughs> it's in two weeks. Oh, well, let's get on this. Let's it's, go, Al. Let's get on this. It is as quickly Thursday, as November the tenth. Come on, Al. Pull it together. Yeah. Um. Again, now I have to. Now I'm so intrigued. I think that's one of the first Flames long road trips of the year, actually. Oh, because the schedule makes sense. Because they're playing eight straight at home, and then they go on the road forever. Yeah. It's what could, yeah. What, and great. And Saturday's matchup against the Oilers is two of three for the season. That's it. And the third one's right around Christmas. Again, I you know I'm such a big fan of the NHL schedule. Yeah. Like even watching uh, the you know the Rangers. I don't know if you knew this. Um, the Rangers and Islanders have a bit of a rivalry too. Battle it's, of New York. I heard. Yeah, it's what they not. Call it. It's not the Battle of Alberta yeah. level, but it's close. Yeah. Last night and uh, the Islanders' new barn, wherever the hell it is, U.S. Arena. Park. Yeah. That's the only time they're playing there this season. And then they're going to play twice at MSG? Yeah. How does that make Only any sense? Only three times between those two as well. Yeah. And don't the Flames play the Avalanche three times? That's a div- that's a that makes no foe, sense. but that's not divisional. You should play every divisional opponent at least four times. Yeah. Two at home, two, two on the road. That's right. Makes a lot more sense. There. I'll type up an email. See, the, to Flames, the, to the, the Flames already played in Edmonton. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Picked up the dub. Got the dub. But that's it. Like, no more. Hmm. And then Edmonton's here, uh, and they're here before Christmas, and that's it for the Battle of Alberta until hopefully the playoffs, which would be awesome to watch again if the two teams meet in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was fun last year. Or you For, like, three days, and then it wasn't so fun. Or you don't really want that to happen. No, I want it to happen. Oh. Oh, your face just totally turned there. You got super serious for a second. Is it like, just because of the revenge factor? No, playoffs in this city is one thing. It's a playoffs life- against the Oilers in this city is, is a whole nother level. Yeah, it's. I would like to experience fun to be part that. Of. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. It was hard to do my professional duties, understanding what was happening in this town. Right. They were getting after it. Hmm. I like getting after it. Yeah, I, uh, I like I, it a lot. I would like to experience that. To see how cool it is. It's not that hard. Just two teams got to do well and then end up playing each other in the first yeah. or second round. Like, it's not that hard. I don't I don't actually mind the playoff format. I like in the, the NHL. Format. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know because sometimes it makes no sense because based on teams with more points or wildcard teams opposed to teams who finish second or third in their yeah, division. Maybe the seeding could be yeah, the, the seeding is not bit, the perhaps, best, but, but I do like the fact that you get an opportunity to play uh, division foes in the playoffs because there's already a lot of bad blood to begin with. And obviously, uh, nothing beats the Battle of Alberta. Nothing beats our location right now. Uh, we're on location for the Hospital Home Lottery for the Calgary Health Foundation. We're at the most valuable grand prize ever, the $2.7 million show home overlooking the lake in Mahogany. Um, you also get, oh, by the way, 
Uh, if you win this, uh, you also get $200,000 in cash. Oh, and you get a 2023 Audi Q8. Is it the... Yeah, that's all included. In wow. This. Q8. That's a nice one. That's a big one, isn't it? And you it? live mortgage-free oh. in this beautiful home. Oh, the Q8 is the luxury SUV. Yeah. You, would you live put your whole family in that thing. Beautiful home. All and you got to do is buy a ticket. Incredible drip. Uh, it's wow. A, and, and, the, and the early bird is uh, deadline is tomorrow at midnight where you can win a Canmore luxury condo valued at nine hundred and twenty five grand plus $25,000 in cash. And the 50-50 is $1.9 million. I'm sure it's probably hit the $2 million mark as our show rolls along here. But make sure you get your tickets. Just Google uh, the Hospital Home Lottery for the Calgary Health Foundation. Get your tickets because these prizes are absolutely incredible. And just so you know, Maddie and I are in our socks, so we haven't desecrated <laughs> your new home potentially at all. Apparently there's no feet. direct flights to Boston. What? Yeah. Really? So, so there's no direct flights from Calgary to Boston. And actually, as I, I read that, I was like, ah, I, I think I might have heard that before. Interesting. Hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll dig in. Okay. Do some more research. Uh, Julian McKenzie covers the Flames for the Athletic. He'll join us straight ahead. He smokes. It's already 830. It is already 830. We'll talk to him next. It's the big show. On location, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960. The- you're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It is The Big Show, in fact. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're on location right now at the most valuable grand prize ever. We're at the $2.7 million show home overlooking the lake in Mahogany. How much have we devalued the home by just being here, our sheer presence? Well, we took off our shoes, so it can't yep. be that much. Plus, we're going to leave. I'm going to come back later this afternoon and talk about it some more on the afternoon shows. But, yeah, it, it can't help. Yeah. You also get, uh, if you win this, which is ridiculous, uh, you also get two hundred grand in cash and an Audi 2023 Q8. Like, so you can have all that cash in duffel bags or in a suitcase. Yep. So they could just full up the trunk of the Audi. Yeah. You definitely, there. you definitely want it with a sack with a dollar sign on it. That's, sure, yeah, okay. That's definitely a prerequisite. Yeah, I like the sack with the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to Julie McKenzie real quick, uh, thank you for flooding uh, the 590-590 text line in Toronto. This was fun earlier. This uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, with your Austin Matthews to the Coyotes trade request, because we're on location, I got my work laptop, which still has the, the Fan 590 in Toronto's text line. Uh, Matthews to the Coyotes for one get-at-a-jail-free card. <laughs> Uh, Austin Matthews to Arizona for a sandstorm. Is it an actual sandstorm or the song sandstorm? Is it like an NFT of sandstorm or is it like a a vinyl press? I got a lot of questions with that one. Um, Austin Matthews and an arena, the Coyotes, for an annual corporate tent at the Waste Management Open. Oh, that's pretty good. good. I'd like to go to the Waste Management Open. Uh, uh, this one, Matthews and Kyle Dubas to the Desert Dogs for a Shane Doan Man Tracker workshop. <laughs> wow. Okay. Man Tracker is not on anymore, is it? I don't know. I, I think he got in guy. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know what the backstory is. I think he just got in trouble. Man Tracker in yeah, jail. No, well, maybe not in jail. Man Tracker sidekick wounded after being shot by Alberta RCMP. Oh. Former Man Tracker star what? Curtis Halleck shot by Alberta RCMP. 
okay, maybe we shouldn't read that story on the air. Okay. Uh, Matthews in the 5,000-seat cushions, the Coyotes for entire set of the OC. Okay. <laughs> the set of the OC. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I also what love, do they play? Yeah, I know. What are they paid? Can like, they fit it under the cap? I, I have to ask our next guest, uh, Julian McKenzie. Does, does a great job of covering the Flames for the Athletic. He joins us. Julian, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Good to hear from you guys. Uh, great to hear from you. Um, did you see, I think we've all seen it, uh, the Mullet Arena, the Arizona State Coyotes, no. uh, the, the visiting facilities. The staging area? Yeah, there's essentially going to be a big black curtain that's going to separate where guys get dressed to play NHL hockey games. At what point does the NHL see that and go, what What? What are we doing here? Like this, <laughs> like wh- honestly, what are we doing here? Because it's getting to a point where it's even past embarrassment. The thing is, is that it, it looks as if the Coyotes are going to be in that arena through 2025 and possibly longer. So if the NH, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if there was there was so much time well before this scenario per- arose that, you know, the NHL could have said, okay, guys, we're not going to let you play in this arena. So I feel like at this point, if if anyone's going to be up in arms, we're going to be like, well, will you allow this? So I don't want to hear any complaints. Y'all better find a way to make this mm-hmm. work. That's how I see it. But it, lo- it looks it looks kind of I don't know I want to see what the benches look like like I, I have a hard time believing that they're just going to be behind these curtains and then just changing like I'm sure they're going to have like some like wooden bench or something to sit down or I don't know it's it's it looks really weird <laughs> they like flip over some some ten liter pails and have them sit on those <laughs> like, like bar it's stools just... or something like what are they going to do like like I don't it's at least they have their logo at center ice. Okay. I did see that they're splitting the center ice. One half of it is the ASU Trident, and one half is the Arizona Coyotes Peyote Coyote, or whatever you want to call them. So they got that going for them at least. So it's you know it's it's an NHL barn. I did that with air quotes for sure, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's uh, it's super embarrassing. Um, what isn't embarrassing is the play of Jacob Markstrom um, in that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, Julian. Uh, I don't think there's any question he's starting Saturday night against the Oilers, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, Daryl Sutter, once upon a time, uh, said that uh, he wants to get Dan Vladar a game a week. And considering Jacob I, Markstrom started uh-huh. earlier this week against the uh, against Pittsburgh if we're still uh-huh. going off of Daryl Sutter's logic Dan Vladar would get his second mm-hmm. start against the Edmonton Oilers this season we have to wait and see with that but I mean that's what Daryl Sutter said right but and, and and look an even more incentive to get him to play that's gonna be the second game they play all week because we're, we're in this lull where they haven't played since Tuesday so if he wants to stay true to his word then he really has to play Dan Vladar on Saturday against the Oilers. I mean, look, I think Jacob Markstrom should have been in that position. I said last week uh, that it wouldn't have surprised me if if they found themselves in a position where you put Jacob Markstrom on the Saturday and maybe you even give Dan Vladar back-to-back instances with Carolina and Pittsburgh. But with how the Buffalo game went, that kind of threw things out of whack. But as far as I'm concerned, un- unless, unless he changes his mind, which, look, Daryl Sutter can do that. He could absolutely do that, and look, he's he's not he's definitely not going to tell mm-hmm. us what he's going to do. But my, I'm going in with the thinking that Dan Vladar will start on Saturday because of what he said in the past. 
Okay, I, I know I don't want to view this as like a baseball analytics thing and based on what the head coach said, but the human element to me has to kind of take over here. I'm sure Markstrom wants to play the Oilers. Like he definitely wants a little bit of redemption after what happened in the playoffs last season, and you only get one more chance after Saturday to see this team, which is ridiculous and we won't get into that. But I'm sure he wants another piece of the Edmonton Oilers here, Julian, despite the fact that what Daryl said about getting Dan Vladar in once a week. I mean, if I was Jacob Markstrom, I would want that opportunity. I'm not going to act like I, I know what he wants, and I'm not going to try to act like I do. But I, all I can do is, is just put myself in his shoes and think about the summer and think about how that playoff series ended and think about how good this team in front of me is now and getting an opportunity to get a crack at them, knowing you have only one more opportunity in your own barn before the end of the, before the end of the calendar year. Like, we don't need to get into it, but the fact that they're only playing three times and the third game is going to be December 27th for the end of the calendar year is ridiculous to me. But also, like, if I was Jacob Markstrom, like, I would want that opportunity. I would want both those last two games against the Edmonton Oilers. But, you know, we'll have to see how the schedule crumbles. And I think the other thing that I'm thinking about here, too, that is another element of it is if Jacob Markstrom doesn't play on Saturday, that's a full week off between games. It's Tuesday to Tuesday for him just with the way that this week is lined up for the Flames. And I don't know if that's the way you want to go either, having your starters sit for a whole week, whereas rather it would be like three or four days. And if you're Dan Vladar... That's what you signed up for. You were going to be the backup here. You were going to know that you were going to go for long stretches of time without playing. And I feel like that's kind of one of the things that I would look at more so with Jacob Markstrom here. So we'll have to wait and see to who does get this start on Saturday. But I think one of the things that we can all agree on is that, you know, after maybe a couple of bad goals, like that one against Vegas that Will Carrier scored from the slot is the one that I think I keep looking back at. But, but since then, he's really locked it down and given this team a lot of confidence in their netminder like there isn't a reason to go to Dan Vladar except for the fact that he hasn't played in a while and Daryl Sutter kind of mentioned that he would get a start a week earlier on in the season yeah don't get me wrong I think Jacob Markstrom played really well against Pittsburgh and that I think is the best effort he's put uh to this point in the year and even that Carolina game where uh he allowed the first two goals like he played a really great 40 minutes after like this is a guy who was ill in the first week of the year and then the Buffalo game went the way that it did and now he's starting to trying to put he's trying to put together some good results consecutively like he's starting to tap into that a game that made him so good last year it's also a long season and and to your point about you know if Jacob Markstrom you know he, he could go a week between starts if he doesn't play well, what about for Dan Vladar? Like, you need your backup whenever it comes time for him to play to get some stretches too. Obviously, not to get to a point where, like, he's he's sharing the net completely with Jacob Markstrom, but you don't want him to not be fresh either. So I, I don't know. Like, it, it just makes sense to me if they do that. But it also wouldn't surprise me if Daryl Sutter changed his mind and said, no, Jacob Markstrom's just going to start on Saturday, and that's just, just going to be the way that it is. And then maybe you give Dan Vladar the game on uh, on November first against the Seattle Kraken. Like that, that actually makes sense if you really think about it that way. But mm-hmm. we'll just have to see. 
Away from the pipes, Jonathan Huberto begged his first goal as a member of the Calgary Flames, and before he did that, I felt like he was really trying to shoot the puck more, like he really felt like, you know what, tonight I'm going to go out and I'm going to get this first goal down, we're going to deal with this, and, and maybe uh, it won't be a thing anymore. Did you did you feel the same about the way he was playing in that contest? Yeah, I think earlier that day, too, he had mentioned that he wanted to be a little bit more selfish and he wanted to get some more shots off. And if memory serves, I believe in that game, I mean, it's not a big deal. He got three shots on net uh, or if at least I thought, yeah, he got three shots on net in that game. That's the most shots he's had on net in a game this season. Previously, he was having games where he had one shot on net. He had two against Carolina, and then he finally gets a third, gets three shots against the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is a guy who... Uh, look, we give him a lot of praise for his playmaking abilities, but he scored 30 goals in the NHL before. Like this is a guy who, if he's able to get a shot off, he has he can show he can be a goal scorer in this league. So if he kind of takes you know the advice to heart about you know being more selfish and getting more pucks on net, he has that potential to contribute with his scoring just as much as he is has been able to with his assists. And yeah, as long as he's producing, I think. People can live with that. I know a lot of people are making a big deal about the lack of five-on-five production, and that has to be up too. But he'd be in a much worse position in this market if he was not producing at all. Julian McKenzie covers the Flames for The Athletic. Joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, I know the Flames don't have a captain this season, but just his play uh, out of the gate – and what he brings on both ends of the ice. How is Nazem Kadri not your favorite right now or the favorite to be the next captain of the Calgary Flames, even though he doesn't fit in that age range that Coach Daryl Sutter was talking about? Wow. Um, that's a really interesting question. I don't know if I see Nazem Kadri. I never thought of him that way as a, as a, as a captain. I guess just thinking of the guys who hold A's, like he's, he's not among them. But at the same time, like Nazem Kadri is definitely a, a player who, you know, players like in the locker room and, and look up to. And, and obviously considering how Daryl Sutter values players with high championship pedigree and, and Stanley Cup rings, like he, he matters in that locker room. And he's playing the best of anyone on that team right now. Um, look, it's, I don't know if it's fair to, to really kind of talk about him being captain material, but I think the fact that he's playing really well, and he's he's doing great things with Andrew Mangiapane and Dylan Dubé, and he's communicating with those guys, and he's really gelled with his new line mates. He's off to a really great start. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this. I think of a conversation I had with Tyler Toffoli a couple of weeks back where I just straight up asked him about being a captain, or, or not just him being a captain, but just the idea that like we make such a big deal about you know, teams needing the C and, and if, like, we like to make a big deal as media types about that. And he just straight up just looked at me and just kind of sighed, like, man, I don't care. Like people don't really care about that stuff in the locker rooms nearly as much. Like there are so many guys in locker rooms, especially in that locker room in Calgary, where fine, there are the guys that wear A's, but you have guys like Milan Lucic who have played in the Stanley Cup final and won. You have guys like Trevor Lewis who have played with Daryl Sutter. Uh, Tyler Toffoli as well can be thrown onto that. Like there are guys who 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 embody, and you can go through every locker room like this. Who who embody some of those leadership qualities, and they bring something to the table. So they don't really need. And I'm starting to see it too with the Calgary Flames, especially. I don't think they really need some guy with a C with this symbol on their chest. And fine, they have the A's, I guess, but I don't know if it really means that much 
to the organization, or at least the players in that locker room. So for a guy like Nassim Kadri to have the C, I mean, it could really be anyone if they so choose. But like, I don't know if they really need that for that team. At least that's the way they're projecting. Mm-hmm. Well, but if there's a guy on the team that is the personification of a captain, that's that guy. he plays both ends of the ice. Uh, he's intense. He'll stick up for his teammates. And I know maturity has been an issue for Nazem Kadri in the past, but clearly that's not an issue anymore. And if you just look at, you know, the complete package for a player, it's him to me, in my opinion. I know it's and I agree with you that not all teams need a captain and they know in the room who the captain actually is. But if you're going to put a C on somebody and he's going to be here long term, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, Matty. I don't think it's the worst thing in, in the world either, but I also don't necessarily see it as an urgent thing. Like, if you're a team like the Anaheim Ducks, for instance, and you're trying to work in a, a Mason McTavish or a yeah. Trevor Zegris and a Jamie Drysdale, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you've got Ryan Getzlaff to lead the way, that's outstanding. But you look at this Flames team, how many guys are on an ELC? I think zero. So... That's that's a situation that they find themselves in. These are guys that have been in the league. Like we've talked about, there's a lot of rings on this team between Lewis, Lucic, Coleman, Kadri. Like, a lot of the guys that have brought in have gone a long way and won and don't necessarily need to have someone with a C at the front of the room going rah-rah, always going out and speaking to the media. Like, the thing is, when you don't have a captain, at the end of the game, if it's a bad game, you got choices as to who's going to go and talk to the media. It doesn't have to be the same one guy who's always going and wearing that and having to answer the questions, and maybe that starts to wear thin. So I don't know. I I feel like when Daryl Sutter talked about the responsibility of a captain in Canada being very different from an American captain earlier on in the season, that rung so true to me. And I went, listen, this is a team that won a Stanley Cup with three co-captains. You don't do co-captains anymore. You go with four A's instead. But... I don't know. I think it would be kind of fitting if this team is able to get things done that for the second time, it's a handful of guys that are kind of looked at as as the true leaders of this team. And I also think, to an extent, Daryl Sutter kind of acts as a little bit of a captain. I know the captain is supposed to be the the membrane between the players and the coach and that type of stuff, but he's the leader, and that's the way it is. Yeah. I, I uh, think you put Julian it really also well, wanted Rosie. to. Yeah, and I, I guess I probably should have put it into some sort of question form there as well. No, I, I, I was enthralled how he was waxing poetic myself, Julian, so well, well done. Um, <laughs> I did want to ask you about the third line, though, because I've been really impressed. And literally, we're talking about leaders and veterans, and you look at this line, and it's Coleman, and it's Lewis, and it's Backlund, and it's guys who have been in the league for a long time. we got a couple of winners. I've really liked what they've brought to the table so far. It hasn't always been offense, but every night. You can throw this line out against Crosby. You can throw them out against the Malkin line. You can throw them out against the Eichel line. It doesn't matter. Uh, And it allows the other two groups to go out and try and produce some offense. With all due respect to Trevor Lewis, who, you know, admirable guy, uh, good, dependable, bottom six forward, Really, when I look at that third line, I look at how Blake Coleman and and Michael Backlund play together. Like on so many instances, when I'm seeing one or the other try to keep the puck in the offensive zone, create turnovers, use their sticks. More often than not, it feels like if one of them is doing it, the next thing that they're trying to do is look for the other to fin- finish off the play and get a scoring chance on. I I think like I mean we may 
I think with the attention being put on the second line being well, that's well-deserved considering how well they've played the first line, obviously, at least the way we see it as a first line, obviously we're going to spend a lot of attention on Jonathan Huberdeau and Tyler Toffoli and Elias Lindholm. But that third line with Lewis Colden and Backlund, like they, it seems as if all three of them work really well together. And I think they might be the perfect embodiment of the style that Daryl Sutter wants to play and the identity that he really wants to, you know, entrench with this team, this team focused mindset, this gritty, defensive, hardworking style. And I think those three players, at least in Daryl's eyes, and I think at least from what I've been able to see, they really fit the style. They probably embody it the best of any of the lines. Uh, and the fact that they were able to create something offensively from time to time too, I feel that's just an added bonus for for what this third line is able to provide. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of praise that needs to be given to this third line. Uh, too hot takey yesterday from me, Julian, but I want to get your opinion. I said on the on the station yesterday, I think Michael Backlund's the best third-line center in the NHL. What say you? Ooh, jeez. Uh, that's a good question. I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But, like, I'll say this. Michael Backlund, the fact that he's in that third-line role, that's great for him. You know, he doesn't have to be put up on a high second line. It just shows the true depth of that center depth for the Calgary Flames having – uh, Lindholm and Kadri. I mean, looking at Pittsburgh the other night, I mean, you're seeing the matchups that they're able to put. They dominated in the face-off circle uh, that night, but you could have tried. You had Kadri going up against Crosby. You have Lindholm going up against, like, Malkin, and you could just throw back Lind up against Jeff Carter. Like, those are not nobodies uh, for a Pittsburgh Penguins team, even if they are getting older. So the fact that a guy like Backlund could be this great center on a third line and just be thrown out against some really good teams and possibly even be the better center, and not possibly, but very likely be the better center in a lot of those matchups. That really fits his role. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, you know, you know, kind of, you know, see if your theory is valid. I, it's very hot, hard for me off the spot, but I will say that Michael Backlund <laughs> a lo- is a lot of theories I have aren't valid, uh, Julian. Just a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Rasmus Anderson because George and I were talking about it a little bit on the show this week, and you look back at all the last Stanley Cup winners over basically the last two decades, they've all got a number one defenseman. Who do you see as that guy on the Flames? Is it Rasmus Anderson? And if not, how close is he to being that guy? That's a great question. Um, I know we've actually, I think George and I have talked about this, about the fact that they don't really have a guy who we would really consider as like a true number one defenseman. They just have like a core of good players on defense who are able to play well together and it just works, which again, I guess, kind of speaks to the identity that Daryl Sutter is trying to implement, where he's trying to make it more about team and less about individuals. I guess if you want to label someone a one or a two, considering the fact that Rasmus Anderson uh, plays as well as he does at both ends of the ice, tied for scoring uh, with the Flames lead, uh, like he's, I, I get why you would put him as the number one defenseman. Uh, I could understand why he plays PP one. He's the lone defenseman who plays on that top unit. I, I could understand why you do it. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember how many minutes he logs a night, but he like he's used so much in so many different situations and he's been able mm-hmm. to produce as well. I understand why you would, if you have to put a number one through six, why Rasmus Anderson 
would be the number one defenseman. I'm getting a better appreciation of his game uh, as a newcomer to the city, as a newcomer to watching games for the organization. So I, I understand where you're going with that. Julian McKenzie uh, does a great job of covering the Calgary Flames for the Athletic. You going to the Pizza Pig out tonight? I am going to the Pizza Pig out tonight. I'm looking forward to to kicking it with whoever's there and enjoying some pizza. Uh, We will see you there, and uh, we'll talk about mouthfeel later. uh, We don't have to do that. It's weird. (laughs) We don't have to. It's it's from the beginning of the show. Mouthfeel and pizza. We'll talk about that later tonight. Yeah, don't. Just don't. It's been a long morning. We'll see you tonight, pal. All right, man. Peace. There he goes. All right, Julie McKenzie. Always terrific. Uh, that's it for us from here. Don't forget, check it out. The Hospital Home Lottery for the Calgary Health Foundation. The early bird prize deadline is midnight tomorrow where you can buy uh, where you can buy, buy tickets to win a uh, Canmore Luxury Condo valued at $925,000. The 50-50, it's probably around $2 million now, which is absurd. And the grand prize is the biggest grand prize ever, $3 million the $2.7 million show home we're in right now overlooking the lake and mahogany, uh, two hundred grand in cash, a 2023 Audi uh, Q8. It is absolutely fantastic. This house is absolutely beautiful. Google uh, Hospital Home Lottery for the Calgary Health Foundation. Get your tickets in now. Believe me, being in this house today, uh, it's worth it. It's worth a shot, and it goes to a great cause. Do it, do it, do it. A great cause that everyone needs. Yeah. And, you know, 100%. you don't need to go six degrees of separation to find someone in your life that is right. using these resources. Uh, great point. Uh, Maddie, that's it for us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of The Big Show with Wrestling and Rose. We'll talk Friday, to you later. mail it in. Yeah, ma- sure. We, we, well, another show does that, but that's <laughs> fine. We can sort of mail it in. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Traffic for Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Specialists in Poly B Pipe Replacement. Offering professional leak detection systems to help save you from disaster. Learn more at canyonplumbing.com. Here for you. Calgary Traffic Update. Cleaning up a crash in the northeast, 19th Street at 32nd Avenue, where emerge crews are on scene. The intersection is slow going. Eastbound lanes of 32 stack back up between uh, 12th Street and Deerfoot as well. In the southeast, we've got an incident on Stony Trail, eastbound approaching or just after Chaparral Boulevard. Right lane is blocked with emerge crews on scene. Squeeze left to get by. This does affect your merge as well from north and southbound Chaparral Boulevard or Sun Valley Boulevard. In the City News 660 Traffic Center, I'm Tanya Blakeney. Rippin' Chicken is back for a limited time only at Popeye's. Get Popeye's Rippin' Chicken Big Box with a side biscuit and your choice of a signature dipping sauce today. October is Small Business Month, and Rogers Business is proud to demonstrate their commitment to Canadian small businesses across the country. Throughout October, our friends at Rogers Business are shining a spotlight on small businesses like local barbers, bakeries, auto shops, retailers, and more. Check out the small business spotlight stories at the Rogers Business blog. You learn about businesses like Fratelli's Hair Salon from Thornhill, Ontario, who care deeply about their customers and neighborhood. You can join the celebration by shopping local and recognizing the important contributions entrepreneurs make to our city. Despite challenges and risks, these businesses persevere and are the fabric for our local economies from coast to coast across Canada. Small businesses mean so much to our communities and deserve to be celebrated. Rogers Business is providing small business in Canada the tools they need to grow and succeed. Celebrate Small Business Month, not just through October, but all year long. Visit the Small Business Spotlight stories at the Rogers Business blog. Find them at rogers.com spotlight.